1: with help from Callaghan Innovation. Here's your host,
2: Simon Pound. Solar power is pretty amazing. There is this super abundant, super powerful source of energy shining down onto every roof. For a long time, though, although it made a lot of sense in theory, it wasn't quite there in practice. It was that it took 20 to 30 years to pay back the investment for the panels and kit for the average homeowner. And by then, you might need to replace them. And battery storage of the power or the ability to sell back your excess energy to the grid were crucial factors that needed work. But times have changed, and solar is now becoming a real and preferable option for many more homes and businesses. It now takes maybe 7 to 10 years to recoup the investment, and then you're well ahead. New Zealand, though, is still a long way behind other countries, with about 1 to 2% of our houses solar, while in Australia, that number is closer to a quarter. But it's picking up pace, and today's guest is part of the reason why. Luke Nutting is an electrician who eight-odd years ago saw that solar would be the future. He went from being a man in a van to now leading a company that does 20% of New Zealand's solar installs, with 80-plus staff around the country, and big plans to help create an alternative energy choice by helping people sell their excess power back to the grid. Luke Nutting, CEO at Lightforce, joins us to chat the industry, his growth journey, And where solar power is going, Tinakwe? Thank you for joining us, Luke. Sure, Simon. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for jumping um, jumping on a a Zoom from um, your home. And that's that's very much kind of how you started out the business, eh? Um, Starting a I I read in an article that you started on a salvaged door on trestle tables in the lounge of your flat. Tell me about how you um, how you began. Uh, light force. And what led you to go,
1: hey, this is going to be a thing? Um, Well, electricians are really, um, it runs through the family. So dad was an electrician, brother was an electrician. So naturally, I sort of fell into being an electrician. Um, And I left the UK at 19 and went off travelling and ended up in Australia. And solar was just starting to take off there. It was sort of 2008. And they'd just released the government grants. Um, and I left Australia 2010 and moved to New Zealand. And one thing that was very clear arriving here is that there was just no solar. No one really knew anything about it. And I just thought there was, was a huge gap in the market to try and drive it forward. So, yeah, that's what I did. I changed all my qualifications over from the UK and... set set out on my journey to become a qualified electrician in New Zealand and that took me probably two to three years and then it was sort of about eight years ago we um yeah created Lightforce and in my little shared flat in Grey Lynn uh my repurposed door set my desk up and um yeah away we went. How did you get started with the company because
2: um you, you know, as you said, solar uh, installations eight years ago, weren't that kind of um, common compared to other places? Like, wh- why weren't they common? And, and, and how much more set the scene for us for kind of how much more expensive or difficult it was just kind of eight to ten years ago?
1: Um, so, yeah, back then it really was uh, it was double the price what it is now. So you're talking 20 panels back then was sort of twenty to $25,000. That same system now will be around that $10,000 mark. Um, so it was a lot harder to sell back then. There was no real payback as such. Um, what you had was the you had the early adopters that would would just buy anything and those were the people buying at the time, the people that loved new tech and the early adopters. Uh, at the time we did have to do normal electrical work as well because the market just wasn't there to just do solar. Uh, so we did, we did bits of everything. We did electrical work and solar and just started to grow as the market started to grow. As the solar market started to grow, we grew the business in line with that.
2: And what What changed like what was the kind of turning point where it went from being um, pretty much something you did if you were a believer in clean energy and liked being independent or maybe you were on a farm that was really hard to connect up to the grid or something you know like it was it was a real fringe case kind of thing where it made a lot of sense, but yeah, what changed to make it something that um that if you can afford to kind of um, finance it makes it make sense
1: I think the the real Big change was probably four years ago when we saw a massive drop in the panels. Uh, Probably over a 50% decrease in panel pricing, and that's when batteries started to enter the market. Prior to that, we'd never never installed batteries eight years ago, even six years ago we didn't install batteries. There was talk of them coming, but no one was installing batteries. Uh, The economics just weren't there. Uh, so it's probably yeah, about four years ago the batteries started to enter the market, the panel price dropped, and then all of a sudden, you were seeing, um, you know, 10% ROIs, 15% ROIs, and the economics were then starting to make sense. And I suppose that was the the kicker for it to start to move. But then also, obviously, sustainability started to become front of mind. And people started to also make choices based around that over the economics. Yeah, and things like that battery technology. You know,
2: people, um, it's very available to us to think about Tesla and the way that they have tried to integrate um, solar and their battery technology to store that power and then their electric cars and stuff, um, which is kind of cool. But it's actually not the... Um, not not necessarily the innovations being driven out of Tesla that's made the step change. Hey, it's more the extraordinary investment and in scale of solar and battery technology coming out of China and Chinese
1: companies. Yeah. So China are definitely leading the charge. Um, China's got more solar than any other country in the world. And it's it's changing rapidly. Um, you know, you really do have to stay at the forefront of watching what's going on. Otherwise, you know, if you're not watching what's going on, you you can get left behind. So we're constantly looking at what's what's the next product, where is it heading? We actually just partnered with Energizer Home Power, uh, so the AA batteries that you see in the remotes, Energizer. Uh, they've entered the solar space and they have been making batteries longer than anyone else. So 1896 is when they started making batteries. And we've just taken a sole distribution of the Energizer home power battery, which is pretty exciting to be able to partner with a, a global brand like that.
2: Yeah. And so that, that the battery thing has kind of unlocked a, 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 an ability for people to then, even if they're living connected up and within the kind of power grid, they're able to choose to store power they get off their own roof and then use that and become kind of energy independent right inside the um, yeah, which, which, which is quite, quite remarkable, the, the, the change that it gives. Like, what, what is the kind of, like, set-up with batteries? Do they, you know, last 10 years or are they, um, you know, like batteries in your phone that get worse over time and do you have to replace them and
1: how does that all work? So our batteries have a 10-year warranty and that's pretty standard throughout the market. Um, but typically they're saying 15 to 20 years is the life cycle. Obviously, most people haven't had a battery for over 10 years, so no one really knows. But what they do know from testing in a lab environment is they naturally degrade sort of a linear decrease over time. And at 10 years, they'll be at sort of 85% output. And then they say at about 20 years, it's down at that 70%. And that's probably the time when you'll start to look to replace it. So they you know they they last the standard of time which is which is good
2: and that and that battery um setup allows you know not only solar power to be a really kind of viable thing because you want to be able to have power at times when it's not sunny, obviously, but then there's that possibility of selling your excess power back to the grid. Can you tell me what stage that's at? Because that's something that, you know, power companies haven't really made very easy for people who have been generating their own power in the past.
1: Yeah, so selling back to the grid once you've got a battery, um, it doesn't really make any sense because what you want to do is you want to store that energy and use it in the evening because you only get paid sort of 7 to 12 cents to sell to the grid. But if you're buying energy from $0.25 cents to $0.35, cents, then it doesn't really you know, make any sense to sell to the grid, come home and buy it back. So the idea is store it, use it and sell as little to the grid as possible. The retailers are now starting to move on the, on the export credits and they are starting to slowly increase. And that's just given the volatility within the energy markets, as you've probably seen over the last 12 months. It's a hot topic. And, you know, we we did have the the lights go out maybe eight weeks ago to about 35,000 homes when apparently we ran out of power. Um, so people can buy, if the re- big retailers can buy energy from the homeowner for seven to 11 cents and they. Are not investing in an asset, a generating asset, then it's a no-brainer for them to to buy that energy back. But again, for the economics, for the homeowner, you want to be using that energy in the day or storing it and selling as little to the grid as possible just to really increase that ROI as much as possible. And what's
2: the general cost of setting up, uh, you know, on a, on a new build, say, if you're putting in solar panels to be pretty... And, and a battery set to be pretty energy independent. So
1: with a battery, average would be twenty to twenty five thousand um, dollars. The battery is sort of fifty percent of the cost. So without a battery, ten to fifteen. That's typical. There are a few variables there. Obviously, you know where you are in the country and sort of house and roof can all adjust the cost. But that'd be a good average twenty to twenty five thousand. And it pays back in seven to 10 years or something is kind of the... Yep,
2: roughly seven to 10 is what we're seeing on average. And then you've got another about 10 years of life after you've paid it back.
1: On average, the the panels have actually got a 25-year warranty um, and and they'll be outputting sort of um, about 85% again at the 25-year mark.
2: Because, like, the economics of that, like, you know, compared to building a new dam or a new, you know, set of, um, you you know, all the infrastructure required to... um you you know, to take power um, and store it in neighbourhoods and the like. I mean, far out. Uh, You you know, like, the the economics of it seem to make a lot of sense. And in other countries, we have seen, you know, some places where there are mandates for new builds to have solar. Hey, but at what stage are we, do you think, in New Zealand along that journey?
1: Um, We're still very much in its infancy in New Zealand. Uh, 1.6% penetration. And generally... When we hit tipping point, things need to get to about 2%, and that's when we start to notice it. We see it, it's everywhere, and then it will hit tipping point. And we really haven't seen tipping point like Australia, like the UK, like Germany, because we've never had incentives, we've never had government grants, so we've naturally had to wait for the economics to basically align organically um, without rebates or government incentives. But we think it's coming. We think, uh, next year we're probably going to hit that 2% penetration in New Zealand, which would be sort of around that 40 to 45,000 homes. And that's when it really starts to take off. Um, and it's, 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 it's just economics, it's levelized cost of energy, which is the output of energy versus the upfront capital spend. And right now, we're seeing over the life of the system, 10 to 15 cents would roughly be the levelized cost. And if you're buying energy at 25 cents, then it's a no brainer to to put a solar system on for 10 to 15. And at large scale, we're seeing sub 5 cents levelized costs now. So it really is starting to be one of the most competitive forms of energy there is. Awesome. We'll be back in just a minute to hear more from Luke Nutting about how
2: he built Lightforce from uh, a company in his living room to having more
0: than 80 staff around the country. Kia ora koutou katoa. Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. As we find ourselves navigating a new outbreak and lockdown, everyone here at The Spin-Off remains committed to bringing you quality independent journalism, which, of course, includes our coverage of COVID-19. It's not an exaggeration to say we couldn't do this work without the generous support of our members. So, if you'd like to help us keep Aotearoa informed, please visit thespinoff.co.nz slash members for more details and to donate today. Yeah, awesome. And so,
2: that that idea of the government jumping in and making subsidies to help pick up adoption um, and the cost coming down means that, you know, we're very likely to see a, a, a huge increase. Is this something like other bits of technology where every, you know, X number of years the costs halve? Or will we reach a kind of um, a, a basement level in how cheap these materials
1: can become? We're definitely seeing the panel starting to plateau now. Uh, If anything, we've actually seen a slight increase on the on the panels with the raw materials. A lot of that driven by COVID and shipping issues, but there's still a lot of movement in the batteries. I think we'll start to we'll keep seeing 15% year-on-year decreases for at least the next five years with energy storage. Uh, And I think then it it will have plateaued. There won't be any major drops below that. Um, One thing in New Zealand is labor is is expensive and hard to find and that's going to be a constant problem for New Zealand over the next 10 years. And how have you grown the company? So tell me about, you know, taking those steps from, I saw
2: um, in an article that you described yourself as a man in a van, <laughs> uh, which, um, which I love, and then going from, um, you, you know, setting out on your own and kind of, what did you do? Tell the world that you were interested in solar and then people started to see you and then kind of, how did you build from there? Um,
1: so we we originally, as I said, we were we were doing all sorts of electrical jobs and waiting for the market to sort of, uh, flourish and about four years ago, it started to take off. I, I actually went and did a course with the Ice House to, to, to give me the skills and tools I needed to, to, to take it to the next level. I was just a, a spark in a van driving around with half a dozen guys, but we, we didn't really have a, a focus or a business plan or a roadmap. We were just doing jobs as they came came to us. So so I did the Ice House Owner Manager program. It was like a mini MBA over sort of six months. And from there, I then sort of set on the journey of setting some goals, drawing out a business plan, mapping out where we wanted to be in five years and sort of set on that journey to get there. So we started um, seeking investment and opening branches around the country and it really just started to scale from there. I mean, one thing we did learn is when we when we enter a market and we we set up in a in a new area like Kerry, Kerry in the far north, we really do start to create a market. Once there's a presence on the on the, in the town and people can see solar, it's front of mind. Generally, the installs in the areas tend to go up by forty to fifty percent once there's a presence with light force in the area, which is really cool to see as the market grows. Yeah, and what do you do? Do you kind of, like, go up
2: there and badge over a local um, Sparky who has kind of an interest in solar in the
1: future, or um,
2: <laughs> how do you expand your patch? <laughs>
1: um, no, so we, we generally look, look for a site. Um, we set up, we set up a, a showroom and a warehouse and... You know, we invite people in to come and touch and feel and see the product live. Um, And, no, we don't, I mean, there's there's so many roofs still to put soda on. We don't need to take anyone's work. We're trying to create the market. So, you know, there's enough work for everyone to go around. If anything, we, you know, we create jobs in the area, so we're employing locals. Um, Generally, we'll try and relocate the first person that knows the business. And then from there we'll just hire locals around them. So I mean, it, it, it's been great. I and mean, you know, we've we've hired generally, you know, four to ten people every time we move into a new area. Um, and yeah, it's been an interesting journey so far. Yeah.
2: And what that, that sounds great that you know someone from the company gets to go over and set it up. But is that kind of a growth journey for people inside the company? Like, how have you managed to upskill and grow your kind of skilled workers? Um, to go to, to to now have you know 80 plus staff in many
1: regional offices well it's a big thing for us internally we actually do um, a night school every other week where we train everyone in the business on all different aspects so what we're, we're teaching spark is about finance and we're talk we're teaching finance about electrics and so everyone in the business understands every nut and bolt and part that goes together to, to create the business. And then we give them the opportunity to upskill. So they almost become mini GMs of the area. So, you know, we've got these electricians that want to run their own business and by working for Lightforce and running a branch, they get a taste of what it's like. And once a month, they actually give us a little board report And they tell us, you know, how the branch is going, what was the profit, what was the loss, how many jobs have we done, how can we improve, how's the morale, you know, it's like running their own little business, but without all the headaches and stress of running your own business. So it's been great for, you know, our staff to upskill. And to you know take their career to sort of the next level, which has been pretty awesome to watch. And you also do a bunch
2: like that night school thing's really interesting and in, and in helping people um grow. And then I I saw that you did something where you do a charity installation on a weekend every kind of you, you know whatever time period, and then the team from work come and help, and they donate their time, and you donate the materials, and you um you you set up some kind of worthy organisation with solar. How did that kick
1: off and how does that work? So that's, I mean, we're massively community-focused at Lightforce. So one thing we do when we move to a new area, we engage the community um, for a charity giveaway. So we put it out to the community who put forward all these charities and non-for-profits that they think are deserving of a solar system to to uh, reduce their running costs of the business so they can actually invest that money doing what they do best. Um so for example with the last one we just did uh, a few weeks back was the Fungeray Bird Rescue Center. So we 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 ran it uh, on a radio station where we got all of the locals to put forward their charities. We did a live draw And we gave away, it's about a $40,000 solar system. And all of the staff donate their time and they go on a Saturday and install it. And, you know, to be able to do that and see the impact it has on, on these charities and non-for-profit is pretty amazing. So we generally do that when we go into a new area. And then we also do a quarterly giveaway. Um, And that's just random all over the country. So I think we're just doing Christchurch at the moment. Um, We did Auckland at the start of the year. So that's pretty cool. And it's quite remarkable.
2: Like, um, I saw that you were doing now 20% of the solar installations in the country. And the fact that it's picked up to such a, a rate, and this is before... Electric vehicles even become the absolute standard. You know, we're in a country that's still buying a lot more double cab utes than we are electric vehicles. Um, it's it's going to take off, isn't it? It's going to go. It's going to be absolutely um, massive. Um, what, what have you put in place? You know, or, or, or what what advice would you have around you know building a business um, ready to scale and going through a period of um, you, you know, massive growth like you've been in?
1: Uh, I think advice would be to take advice. So, you know, don't think that you know it all and you've got the secret sauce to go off and do it. You, know, you don't even have to listen to everyone's advice, but, um, you know, I mean, listen to it, you don't have to take it and run with it, but I think, you know, don't, don't be scared to ask for help. Uh, surround yourself with, with super knowledgeable people that you can you know, take that knowledge and, and getting the right people on the bus. So, you know, it's, you can't do everything on your own. You, you're only as good as the team around you. So it's pretty important to make sure you hire the right people, take your time hiring and make sure that they've got the skills to, to get you where you want to go. And what's your vision for the future of the company? Where do you see uh, it
2: going and where do you see solar going in New Zealand?
1: We see solar, um, I mean, there's huge, huge growth coming in solar. As we touched on earlier, is only 1.6%. So it's been very linear for the last 10 years. We think next year when it hits 2% is tipping point. And if you listen to any of the trans power sort of um, predictions or the government predictions, TransPower is saying 70% of homes and 40% of businesses by 2050. And most of that growth is going to come by 2035. Um, so that's, it's about a 30 to, 30 to 40% increase on the systems that are going in now. Um, so, you know, it's going to be huge growth coming over the next few years. And what will success be as a final thought? What will success be for you and what will success be for Lightforce? I think success for um, Lightforce will be leading the solar revolution as we sort of move to a all-electric economy and move from a, um, a centralised generation to a decentralised network. You know, I see us leading the charge there and for me, success is um, you know watching uh, eighty plus, which I think will be two hundred plus, three hundred plus, and watching them um, you know grow their careers and their lives. When I talked about that mini GM, that's it's pretty pretty awesome to watch these um, people upskill and grow into who they're going to be. And we've just rolled out an ESOP plan across the across the business. So we are going to give everyone in the business shares into Lightforce, which is pretty cool. So, you know, if we all do well, if Lightforce does well, then we all do well together, which is pretty cool. Oh, I love
2: it. Yeah, and it must be so cool to be part of something that's, um, you know, afford a, a progress in the world.
1: Yeah. no, It's, yeah. it's a pretty exciting time. So yeah, we're all pretty excited at Lightforce of what the next sort of five to 10 years holds. Yeah, I love it. Hey, well, thank you for sharing the story of um, the growth so far. And um,
2: yeah, can't wait to see uh, where, where you take it next. Uh, that's Luke Nutting, who's the CEO at Lightforce. Kia ora. Awesome. Thank you, Simon. Thank you so much to T.I. Hey Butler for producing and thank you for having us along
1: and listening. Cheers. You've been listening to Business Is Boring presented by Simon Pound. Brought to you by The Spinoff and Callahan Innovation.
0: From The Spinoff Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring. Brought to you by Sparklab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on Sparklab, visit sparklab.co.nz.